Leslie and Mimi. So how was your guys' week? Fabulous. I've heard some good things. That's good. That's good. Well, thank you for asking, Mark. Um, there's a slogan amongst the airlines. Uh, it says, fly the friendly skies. If you're in the hang business, it has not been the friendly skies. <laughs> but we're okay. We're okay. Yes, sir. Our cows will eat hay that isn't maybe quite as green as they'd like. Let's take our Bible this afternoon and turn to the book of Romans. As you're turning to Romans, the last week we talked about freedom. We talked quite a bit about freedom, obviously, at a time of independence for this nation, uh, 244 years since that document was signed. But we also talked about the freedom we have in Christ. And today I would like to actually go back and look at the, the deal that makes that work, that we actually receive freedom, if you will. And it's described for us numerous places in the Scripture. We're going to use uh, Romans chapter 3. We're going to begin at verse 9. Uh, there's good news, bad news. It's just kind of, kind of like a doctor. You go to a doctor to find out what's going on, and uh, you would want to be honest with you. And uh, the Scripture is very honest with us. So let's go to Romans chapter 3, and we begin at verse 9. Here we go. What then? Are we better than they? No, in no wise. For we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles, they are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understand that. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being manifested, I'm sorry, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set, bef- who, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God, to declare, I say, at this time his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also. Seeing it is one God, which shall justify the circumcision by faith and uncircumcision through faith. Do we then make void the law through faith? God forbid. Yes, we establish the law. May God add a special blessing to the reading of his word. And let's just uh, pause for prayer before we begin our study. Father God, we come again with thanksgiving in our hearts for what you accomplished through Jesus Christ, God the Son. Amazing the whole unfolding of what you had designed and dedicated 
to the salvation of people before you made them. Ephesians chapter 1 tells us that before the foundations of the world, you had determined literally that Jesus Christ would be the way for them to come to you. Father, on, for these moments before us, we ask that you would have all of us, mind, heart, and soul, we would ask that we would be tuned in to your station, that we would be open to receiving what you have for us. And Father, as you're diligent, diligently working at conforming us to the image of your Son, all of those that are in Jesus Christ, we would pray that if there's anyone here today that does not know Christ personally, that your grace would be unfolded for them. Father, we thank you for what you'll accomplish. We would ask that the Holy Spirit would exclusively be our teacher this afternoon, and we would look with anticipation to gaining further, uh, in de- further independence, Father, through the grace that we have in you. Thank you for what you'll accomplish in Christ's precious and holy name. Amen. <clears throat> As I said last week, we, uh, we took some time and talked about freedom. Freedom, and I was, uh, that word was bouncing through my mind uh, last week, and this week, a, a word that just kept coming and coming and coming, it just really wouldn't go away. It would just continue to just resound within me, and that was grace. Grace. And then I was saying, well, what about grace? And understanding grace. How much do you understand about grace today? Now, you can whip off a definition if I was going to ask you, what is grace? And you would say, and you would say, unmerited favor. That's probably the most common one that we would, we would see, unmerited favor. Uh, the word in the Greek would mean gift, a charis, K-A-R, K-A-R-I-S, charis. It's from the word that we get, charismatic. It's a gift, and the gifts that we see of God are very much in that same line. The unmerited part, there isn't anything that we've done to receive, or anyone for that matter. If you've been shown grace, now there's an interesting way grace is used in a lot of different ways. Grace can be the name of a girl. You have a granddaughter, exactly. There's, and and it, there's something about that name that just almost endears us to them almost, right? Another way we could use grace would be in the sense of, if you've watched an, uh, a ballerina or a a gifted athlete and to see how graceful they are in their, in their movements. And uh, I think I'm even thinking sometimes uh, in slow motion, watching a football receiver catching with literally two or three fingers outstretched as far as possible and brings it in. And you have other moments that you may have seen or, or something that that's the sense of grace in that. Ah, right. And then to show grace That's what we're after today. God is the master of grace. In fact, you know, literally, if there was no grace, there would be no story to tell. The Bible, the whole whole book, the Bible, 66 books written by 40 authors over 1,400 years. Think of that. If we we were going to give you as a passion of this group, uh, I'm not sure sure how many, but your, your, your task today is write a book. And let's just say you have two years to do it. Let's not go for 1,400. Let's go for two years. And here's the catch. At the end of the two years, we're going to have everyone bring their individual book, and it's all going to make perfect sense, fitting together with fluidity and magnification to glorifying God. And now you're shaking your head. That's literally in itself an amazing feat in itself. But you know what? The Bible would be non-existent if there was no grace. There would be nothing to tell. There's no story. And literally, the Bible is God's story. 
It's an amazing thing when you think about the fullness and the richness and the continuity of grace from the very beginning to where we're going to be looking to the very end. That's grace. That's grace. So for us to fully understand grace, I'm not thinking that that's maybe something we can accomplish, but I want us to further to, to peel back another layer so we see the importance of grace. Now, we want to also see the value of grace. If we don't understand a perfect, holy, righteous God, we can't understand fully the need for grace as he's unfolded it. So what else do you think about grace today? Tell me something else. When I say grace, what do you think? Peaceful. Undeserved. Blessing. Which is it? Blessing. And you said? Mercy. Mercy. Okay, let's talk about that for a second. It's interesting. You see a lot of times you'll see grace and mercy together. Do they mean the same thing? No, they don't. In fact, it's interesting. Uh, Mercy means not giving us what we deserve. Now, we as humans, what we're going to talk about this, Romans is pretty descriptive. It it tells the truth, but you know what? I want a doctor like that. If I go into the doctor, I'm not there because I want to go to the doctor. It's not because I want to shed myself of money. It's not because I want to wait in the waiting room. I'm going to a doctor because there's a reason that I'm there. And the last thing I would want after he does all the tests, does all of this, and he says, uh, Mr. Milhoff, would you come into the office, please, coming back? And, and, and he says, you know, we've, we've uncovered a few things, but that would be rather unpleasant to talk about those. So I'm just going to say, let's talk about the good things. It appears your heart's working properly and, uh, and your blood pressure looks great. Have a great day. Now, what would, what would you, what? That's crazy, right? Yeah, or give me the truth, right? If I'm lost, I want to know about it. Have any of you ever been lost? Don't raise your hand. I know men have been more lost than women because apparently Siri is the female voice we can trust in any, in any iPhone to take us out of any jam at any place, anywhere. You'll never hear a man's voice directing traffic or tell us how to get out of trouble. Have you noticed that? I'm a bit upset by it, but I'm going to have to get through it. We're just a man's voice, right? So I feel more comfortable. We can be lost together. But let's, but in all seriousness, lost there's something about being lost, but not knowing you're lost. It's not nearly as insurmountable as to know that you're lost. Correct? I remember in Kansas City one time, I was, I was, following, I was following Siri, and unfortunately there had been some detours of which she had not been made aware of. And I ended up in an area, I'm like, I truly am lost. <laughs> And there was something about a realization. It was like, now what do I do? Right? Isn't that that? Now what do I do? Siri, what's wrong with you? Right? No, you haven't done that. You haven't poked Siri. Right? <laughs> I was trying. Let's get, let's get out of this situation. And I actually don't even remember how I got out of there. But I just remember I was in a bad part of town. And I just didn't even know how to get out of there. But my point is this. Not, not Kansas City. Not getting off. But the point of the matter is I want to know the truth. That's the best. It sets us free, as it actually says in, in the scripture. Well, Jesus said that. The truth will set us free. So grace, the only reason that grace is really part of everything that we know of, if you're a Christian today, is literally because of the huge problem that we have. And it's called sin. 
Sin is the least talked about thing in the country that I know of today. You don't get, and you can't, you can't take a course in Sin 101. You can't go to the t to a television station or radio station. And our hay's going to get wet one more time, but that's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. I think it's okay. <laughs> no, it is. It is. Let's just, re just let's just enjoy what we have here. And you know, the Bible is so clear about that problem. And yet it's like in many churches, many pastors, not that it's pleasant to talk about, but the really cool thing is, is this huge problem, this disease, if you will. You got, I'm going to the doctor and the Bible says, I've got a disease and it's called sin. And the great news is, because of what Jesus Christ did, and what we can receive through his grace, it's seekers is the Bible thing is truth. Think of that for a moment. Is that really true? That there's no truth? Well, there's one truth, so that can't say that there's no truth. That was a bit of a twist. But at the same time, it's very interesting to know that the Bible, through its lens, if you read the Bible and you see what it says and what it propagates as being the reality, it fits what's going on. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. It's like going to a job. You go to a job, you work, you get paid. Or you should. <laughs> How's that? Okay? And right... And the wages of sin, when you go to work and life, given what's happened in Romans chapter 5, verse 12, that we inherited this flesh condition. We inherited sin from Adam. If you go back to the Garden of Eden, that's where the sin started. And we are the recipient. In our DNA, there's sin there. That's a problem. That's a challenge. It's beyond. It's more than a challenge. It's, it's a fixture, if you will. And sometimes it's more apparent to us than others, isn't it? You've had those bad days where, oh, just like, I think we went to Romans chapter 7 last week even. Paul, he says so, so candidly, he's so honest. Don't you love Paul? I mean, this is the super apostle. He's the one that never does anything wrong. Well, he did to begin with. He killed people. He persecuted them. But Jesus found him. He's on a new pathway. And I mean, he's got it together. He is lockstep with righteousness. And in Romans chapter 7, starting about verse 24, it is really raining, isn't it? At the same time, it's amazing that he says, you know what? I'm going to be really honest. What I want to do, that is to do what's right, I don't do. And what I don't want to do, that I do. Now, that should resonate with us, right? That happens to me. That happens to you. That happens to everyone that has a beating heart. Excuse me? I left your windows open. You, open. you left my windows open where? In the house? Yeah. That'll be fine. Don't worry about it. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's what I, I, I don't like. I don't like, the, I don't like the hard rain. We're getting a little of that. Okay. That'd be another word for you. <laughs> but we're inside. Just imagine if I was preaching to the outside. You wouldn't be nearly as wrapped in attention as you are having the opportunity to be outside of the rain and hail. So let's continue. Where was I at? Um, we got to get you off of 11.28 yesterday morning. What's that? We got to get you off 11.28 yesterday morning. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's right. Well, let's keep going. Let's, uh, let's go back to... Uh, Oh, I know. We were talking about a doctor that was not willing to give you the bad news. The Bible, it speaks in truth. It gives you the bad news, but it also gives you the good news. The good news. And that's what grace is all about, is the good news. 
I'd like us to turn to First uh, Timothy chapter one. First Timothy chapter one and verse fifteen. Are you guys able to hear me? You okay? Not not too well. Laramie might maybe ramp up the volume just a little bit because I can talk a little bit louder. Look at that. Is that better? All right. We'll overcome this. First Peter, I'm sorry, no, you're in First Timothy. Let's go to First Timothy chapter one, verse fifteen. First Timothy chapter one, verse fifteen. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Ah, isn't that exactly right? That's the only reason Jesus Christ came was to save sinners. And then watch what he says. This is Paul. Of whom I am chief. <laughs> Don't you love his honesty? And I'd have to say, nobody. I think I'm maybe just a notch lower than you, right? And we'd all have to. But you know what? Sin is sin. Sin is sin. Sin is sin. It'll be okay, Corn. You'll you'll get through it. <laughs> Did you notice in the text we read today in Romans chapter three that it talked about the sense of none righteous, no, not one. Did you, it was just very exclusive, wasn't it? How many of you in this room believe there's a chance that you could slip through and, and you may be good enough to get to heaven? Don't even raise your hand because I'm here to tell you, you can't, you can't make it. No, you can't make it. You have no chance whatsoever. And the other thing that's interesting, you look through the lens of the Bible and in the sense of reality, guess what? That's exactly what happens. People die. <laughs> let's go to verse uh, let's go back to Rome no I'll tell you well, let's go to uh, Titus chapter 2 I want you to see two things that's very interesting when we talk about grace it literally is more than just a concept because let me ask you as, and I would be asking you about grace what would you say tell, tell me what else is coming to your mind just something else I'm looking for something and I doubt if you'll get it that's okay but let's try. <sighs> right. What else? What, what else? What, what else about grace? Just. It's free. What else? Something I don't do. Exactly. And you know what? The more we realize the significance of sin, the less deserving we know we are. I might be a little overpowering now, Laramie. You may have to turn me down just a bit. What else? When did great... Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. The epitome of love. Literally, you take behind grace, and there's a whole lot of love that we can't, in our finite minds, even have a chance of understanding. It's too big. Because literally, as it tells us in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, that Christ died for us, he became our sin while we were still sinners. We didn't have anything to offer. You know, the only thing you came to... In other words, you came to the party for salvation, and you know what you brought? 
You know, have you ever went to a potluck? You went to a potluck or whatever, you know, whatever. And, and, and you may have brought salad and you may have brought, let's see, what would you make? I'm trying to think. Water? And then we, <laughs> sorry, Jeff. I don't even know if you're good, but that, that was being nice even, wasn't it? But, but you see, everybody brings something. You know what? We all have a good time, right? It all fits together. It fits together and beautifully, there's fellowship and there's things that come together, right? Do you know what you brought to the party of salvation? Sinfulness. It's even worse than nothing. You brought the sin. Oh, it's a little bit depressing, isn't it? But it's okay because God gave grace. Grace is so huge. It's so many. In fact, do you know that grace is really seen in, how would you spell grace? I'm going to show you. There's a new way to spell grace. I bet you didn't know this. Now, grace, you've actually heard the acronym, right? G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. Okay, now you've seen that. But I'm going to show you a new way to spell grace. And if you can do this to someone that doesn't know anything about grace, it will blow their mind because this is a brand new way. It's called the Bible way of spelling grace. This is the way you spell it. You spell it J-E-S-U-S. That's grace. Now let's watch it develop. I told you to go to Titus. Are you okay with that? I don't, I'm not happy with that. Why don't you hold your place right there? Let's go back to John. I want to go back to John chapter 1, where it's first unfolded for us. John chapter 1. John chapter 1. We'll start in verse 10. And it says this. He, speaking of Jesus, John 1.10, He was in the world, and the world was made by Him, and the world knew Him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Now watch verse 14. But the word was made flesh, the incarnation, God dwelling in man. Within humankind, and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. Now, watch, full of grace and truth. That's, that's describing for us Jesus Christ, the incarnation. He was full of grace and truth. That literally depicts him, Jesus, the incarnation. Verse 17 For the law was given by Moses, but Grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Now turn to Titus. Just you, You've already found it. Flip over to Titus chapter 2, and let's look at verse 11. Watch this. <clears throat> Titus chapter 2, verse 11. For the grace of God, that's what we're talking about. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Literally, Jesus Christ is described as the grace of God that appeared to all men. Isn't that beautiful? That's fantastic. Literally, the grace and truth, all of these things that literally bring salvation, were all wrapped up in Jesus Christ, if you will, the cure for the disease of sin. Now, let's go back to our text in Romans, and let's start to unfold. Now, one of the things I want you to remind me of, in case I forget, is I want to show you an Old Testament example when we're, when we're done. We're going to work through this about grace unfolding and the beginning or the basic principles of, of grace. And then I'm going to show you an example from real life because there's something about examples that let us just plug in. Have you noticed that? You show me an illustration, I'm going to get it. Okay, we're going to do that right at the end today, so don't let me forget that. 
So let's go back to Romans chapter 3. And uh, we first of all, we had that prelude. Again, uh, let's, let's just look at it, verses 10 through 18 again. Watch again the exclusiveness of it. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. Think of that. On a universal scale, not one single person has sought after God. That's almost... In one way, it makes us feel a little bit better because it's not like somebody ever did. Right? Because if there was somebody that ever did, then Jesus would have never had to come. There's significance in that. I'm glad Jesus came. I needed him more than anyone. Let's keep going. They are all gone out. I'm sorry. There is none that understands. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. Verse 18. There is no fear of God before their eyes. That's the prelude, if you will. How you, how you doing? Are you okay? It's, you know, oh, well, let's come back next week. You guys would be so depressed if you didn't know Jesus. You'd just say... I don't want to talk about that anymore. I don't want, and you know what? That's sometimes what happens. We just try to put out of our mind things that we can't deal with. And if we didn't know any more than that, oh, right? It would be devastating. If that was the end, if we're all sinners, there's no hope, none righteous, no seeking after God, nothing. Oh, have a good day, Joe. Oh, you're Lynn, right? Yeah. See you later, buddy. You know, I'm going to, well, maybe, no, I won't go out there. But if I just thought, do you see what? There's nothing. There's no hope. There's no hope. The really cool thing about Christianity is God did the work. God did the work. Every other religion, guess who's trying to do the work? We are. Self. Trying to do our own work. It's not going to work. Let's start in verse 21 now. It really, if you will, describes for us grace. It unfolds it, unpacks it for us. We find, first of all, that grace is apart from works. Now, the one thing I'm going to say, if, if you think about grace and maybe our, our, to get it exactly right as we're going to go through this, I don't know how long we'll be doing this, maybe a couple of weeks, we'll see how it works. But there's something about grace that oftentimes it's like banging off the walls. There's those that would say, well, we've got to do our part. We've got to do our works. You can't just get to God by depending just on grace. That's what Jesus did. Yeah, we, we have to have that. But I also still have to do what needs to be done. Okay, that, what would we call that? That is a word. And it would be called, it's, the, I, I'm going to hold this position until you get it. <laughs> when you're depending on getting to your salvation through works and the law and you're trying to earn it, what do we call that? Legalism. Legalism. In other words, you have, to, you, have to, you, have to, you have to attack the law and you have to keep it and it's all up to you. You've got to get it done, right? That's what, that was the message. That was the lie that really came to, through the Judaizers in the book of Galatians. Oh, that's a cool book. We may even, we may even go through that, Galatians. He, here comes the, the law was, was put in its place. And by the way, let's talk about the law for just a second. Just time out. You can't achieve, you cannot get grace through works. It's impossible. If you're trying to get God's grace by working, you will fail. Was that too loud? Good, because I'm going to say it louder if we need to. It was too loud. Back it up just a skosh. That's a fact. Works does not get it done. 
and I just forgot what I was going to ask you to do. Did anybody remember? He didn't say it. Right, exactly. Excuse me? We could be getting into Galatians, and I'm trying to see how that fit, which it didn't. Oh, yeah, let's talk about law. Let's talk about it for a minute. Thank you. Let's talk about law. Tell me about what you think about law. What do you guys think about when you see the word law? Rules. Rules. Order, punishment. Shows us we're wrong. Oh. Guilty. Standard. Standard. Oh, we tapped that one out. No more. Nothing left. Red lights in my red rear view mirror. Yeah. <laughs> I was waiting for that. Red lights in my rear view mirror. The cops. I was waiting for somewhere for the cops to get involved, right? Someone that's keeping us locked, locked in or locked up or whatever, right? What's the purpose of the law? Now, before you, before you say any more, stop. Before you say any more. Now let's just let's just work at it on the on our level. Let's just say within our area, within our state, within our region, where we're at. What's the purpose of the law? Excuse me. Order. Order. Safety. Keep us safe. Excuse me. Management of people. Management of people. It's a true statement, isn't it? Now I'm here to say, man-made laws, they can get out of bounds. I mean, there's some really dumb ones. But by and large, there's been some thought process gone into it. I'm thinking of traffic laws particularly. It's a good idea to slow down when you go through a residential area. It's good that it's not 100 miles an hour. You guys are you're not, you're not engaging here. I mean, that, you should you know, just come to me here now. Okay? But what is the law? When, when the law is broken, what does it show you? That we broke the law. As simple as that sounds. Literally, that was the law's purpose. All of those laws that God gave in the Old Testament, all of the ones that Israel was supposed to abide by, do you know what was? God didn't need to have sacrifices. God needed to show them their sin. See, it's the law that showed them. He also shows we can't keep the law. That's the bottom line. In fact, as God laid those things out, people say, yeah, we're going to do what? Did you, you, you read it. You read in the, New Te- in the Old Testament. Every time he brought them up to, this is what you need to do, they, oh, yeah, we'll do that. No problem. We're right there. Have you ever, if, you, if you've disciplined a child and you say, no, I don't ever want you to do that, and they say, no problem. We're good here. And you know what? Some, they just can't do that, can they? If you tell a child to stay out of the cookie jar, you are asking that child to do a lot of things that are really <laughs> impossible. The law was to show us we couldn't do it. It showed us we needed something else. The law is not something for us to gain access to God. The law is not a way for us to promote ourselves. It's apart from works. That is grace. Let's look at a couple of passages of Scripture. Because Christianity is divine accomplishment. God did the work. Let's go to where you at in your Romans. Let's turn to Romans chapter 4, verse 5. Romans 4, verse 5. And it says this. It was speaking about Abraham. Verse 5, uh, chapter 4, it says, But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. 
Verse 4 says, I, sh I should have read 4 first. Now to him that worketh, in other words, you're, you're working to be saved. You're working for salvation. To him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. You're going to get exactly what you bargained for. You're going to get exactly what you're working for. And that's a debt. Isn't that, that's a bummer. Uh, Martin Luther, he worked a lot, didn't he? He worked an awful lot. He was, in fact, they say that his knees were actually callous to the point of almost, they were, he, he was crawling, he was in prayerful stance, shall we say, going up, kneeling, going upstairs, downstairs, and all, of, and you know what? One day, one day it hit him, he said, you know what? I'm not getting any closer to God. It's not working. And Romans chapter 1, verse 17 said, the just shall live by faith. It's changed his changed him completely. Now, well, at, at the other side of it, now that's what we said, one was legalism. Now, I need to complete the thought. That's one road, that's, that's a, you know, your bounce, you know those, uh, what do they call those, um, oh, I'll keep you from running over cliffs, so now, uh, guardrail. guardrail, thank you very much, it wasn't that hard, I could see him, but I couldn't bring it out, the guardrail, it keeps you within the confines of the road. Legalism is not one that wants to throw you off that way. What's on the other side? There's one just as, just as wretched, and it's on the other side, and that is called, excuse me? Work? Work? Not quite. That would fit with legalism, but you're okay. And you're looking at me. I can see the people. I, know what I, I don't know what you want. It's called license. In other words, if, in other words it's kind of like having your pocket full of grace. You've got coins of grace. You've got currency, and it's in here. And here comes this in. Oh, let me see. I could pay for that. Here's a little more grace. We'll just do that. Oh. Oh, I got in trouble over here. There's a little more, let's throw a little more grace at it. No, a thousand times no. You don't have, the grace, first of all, is not yours. Does that sound weird? I'm going to break, let's do it right now. Even though I've got another train of thought, there's enough, I see enough questioning. Let's go to where the situation in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. As you're turning there, I want to, this is the situation where Paul was given the thorn in the flesh. Remember that deal? How many of you really like a thorn in the flesh? No, of course not. That's not the way we do it. But let's go, it'll take me a little longer, you've had a head start, but I'm going to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and I want you to, to, want to show you something. It's a common passage that you will will be right with me, but I want to show you, we'll start at verse 7, uh, and I'm, I'm skipping ahead, but read the whole passage for yourself this evening. It's talking about Paul actually being taken up into the third heaven. He saw things that no one else would have seen, and in verse 7 it says, and lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing, I besought the Lord thrice, or three times, that it might depart from me. Verse 9, watch. And he said unto me, your grace is sufficient for you, and your strength is perfect in weakness. No, that is not what it says, and I specifically said it. My grace, this is Jesus Christ, it's red letter. My grace is sufficient for you, and my strength for your weakness. Did you see that? See, it's God's grace. It's all about what was accomplished through Jesus Christ. And he gives it as you need it. Did we turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9? Let's keep going then. Let's go, let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 9. <clears throat> For 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9 says this. Paul writing to Timothy, Who hath saved us... And called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, 
but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Boy, you see a lot of things unfolding there as, as Timothy is being taught by Paul. Not of works. It's according to his own purpose and grace. You'll never see, you'll never see grace and works together. Think of it. Now, Jesus Christ, wait a minute, Jesus Christ fulfilled the law. Yes, he did. But he was not justified by the law because he was already perfect. Grace and works, never together in the sense of receiving salvation. Now, works are a after the fact, just as it says in Ephesians chapter 2, and it works through that. There's a purpose. There's a sense of, in other words, if you're saved, grace will discipline you to look like you're saved. But you're not saved by works. It's really key. Because if you're going to spend a lot of your energy trying to be saved by works, you are wasting your time. Is everybody on board with that? Okay. Let's look at... Did we look at Galatians chapter 2? Oh, you're pretty close to Hebrews. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 10. Maybe God wants sacrifice. If you ever made deals with God, if you get me out of this situation, boy, you won't believe how good a guy I'll be. How good a Christian I'll be. You know... Just like going to a rodeo doesn't make you a cowboy. Oh, Oh, bummer. I just blew up. Man, you should have saw this front people. I can't believe it. Just like going to a rodeo doesn't make you a cowboy, going to church doesn't make you a Christian. There's a lot more to it, isn't there? There's a lot more to it. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10. Let's read the first four verses. Hebrews 10. For the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things can never with those sacrifices which they offered year after year continually make the, cl- the comers thereunto perfect. For then would they not be, have ceased to have offered because that the worshipers once purged should have had no more conscience of sins. In other words, if, if the sacrifice system really worked when they, you know, it was like, okay, got that sacrifice out of the way, we're good now. Our work is done here. Until... You sin again, because there's no life in the law. Verse 3. But in those sacrifices, there is a remembrance, again, made of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of goats, and I'm sorry, of bulls and of goats should take away sin. Sacrifices don't get it done. Now turn back to Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2. And verse 16. Galatians 2.16 says, thinking along the line of works in regards to grace. Galatians 2.16 says, knowing that a man is not justified. We've been working on that word in a little bit. Not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. That's a verse you should have underlined or memorized. That one there is super important. It ties in exactly what grace is and what it is not. So the first thing we find is grace is apart from works. Secondarily, we find that it's accepted by faith. How do you get grace? You wake up in the morning and what do you do? I want grace. I need grace. I need grace from God. Now, initially, if you've never been saved, if you've never trusted Christ as Savior, you're you're not saved. How do you get grace? And you say, Larry, you've told me I'm a sinner, that I've got a serious disease and it's curable and and it's from grace. But how do I buy that? How do I get that pill? Have you ever ever been told there's a cure, but it costs a, a a massive amount of money? 
And you're probably sitting at grace. What do you mean? How do I get it? How do I access it? Is it on the internet? Can I get grace from the internet? You can get everything else from the internet. It's Jesus. And how do we get Jesus? Call upon his name. And what about, do we just, in other words, let's just, I just, okay, I need grace, Larry. If I just say, Jesus, 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 I don't have it yet. Why not? Jesus, Jesus, is it coming? When will I get it? Jesus, what? Correct. Say, I mean, you have to, you have to agree with what the Bible said about sin, and that is, we've got a problem. And we're, in fact, it says we're even enemies with God. Now, I'm not an enemy of God. That's what the Bible says. For we're enmity with God. We're against him. If you're not for him, you're against him. Okay? And to repent of those sins, to say, I, can't ha- I confess that I'm a sinner. That's not easy, is it? There's two things that will keep you from grace. Do you know what they are? I'm not going to tell you until the end, but it's okay to think about it. There's only two things that keep you from grace. Two things. And it's not only, well, I'll just say it, two things. Be thinking about them. Don't say them. Just keep them to yourself. We're going to talk about it because this is really, really critical that we understand. But let's say we've come to the point and we want grace. And by the way, you're right. It's about Jesus. But how do we do it? Where would we go? How would we, how would we know what we're going to do? How do we access it? What avenue is that on? What street is that on? Is it in Sheridan? Do I got to go to Billings? Do I got to go to Missoula? Do I go to Africa? Do I got to go to Mars? Where do I get grace? Right here. How do we do that? Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. You're in Galatians. I think I left you there. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2 and let's see what the Bible says. We're going to start in verse 1 because it sets up the whole thing once again from a whole other perspective. Now, hang on. It's going to give you the bad news and then it's going to give you the good news. Isn't that good? The Bible gives us bad news, but it follows with good news. It's great news. It's fantastic. And good news is a word we find in the word gospel. Ephesians chapter 2, it starts this way, verse 1. And you hath he quickened, that's to be made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. You know, there's only one thing about, there's only thing worse than, than being lost is not knowing you're lost. That's really tragic, isn't it? Oh, I know. And unfortunately, husbands are very capable of being lost and not knowing it. <laughs> and wives, you need to be gracious. <laughs> Honey. No, it's the other way around sometimes. Is it? Well, thank you for being so honest. Not very honest. Not very honest. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. But it seems like most of the time, honey, uh, why don't you, uh, should we get some directions? I think we've seen that place right there several times. And it's amazing how when we're lost, we circle. I'll give you a, I'll give you a quick story. It just, just came to mind, so I'll share it. I probably have with some of you before. But in North Dakota, where the storms can linger and they can blow. And we had put some hay up in the summer, and, hadn't, and it's just dry land. So you know what? Lots of times there's other tasks to do, and that hay bales will sit out there. And they'll sit out there, and they'll sit out there, and then you need them. And this particular day, it was storming immensely. It was a blizzard. It was a long, what should you say? It was the real deal. It was a blizzard. My dad said, let's go get some hay. So I had a four-wheel drive, and it was on a stack mover, and he was bringing the loader. And we go to this place about five miles from home, and we load, and it gets worse and worse. Now we're dark. You know anything worse with a blizzard is when it's dark, and it's a blizzard, right? Now, he said this very clearly. He said, now, Larry, listen carefully. I was probably, I'm going to say 13, 14, something like that. And he said, now, listen very carefully. 
go out on the same tracks that we came in. If you don't see the tracks, stop. He said it about like that, too. Okay. You already know the story, don't you? You already know the end of the story. No, not the end, but you know what happened next. So here's Larry. I think that's it. I keep going, right? I think I'm okay. And I'm not kidding. I really couldn't see very well, but I'm thinking, I'm not going to admit I can't see, you know, because I'm, I'm okay, you know, and the road's got to be over there somewhere. Finally, my dad pulls up alongside and shuts me down, and he is not happy. <laughs> he is not happy. He says, he says, why didn't you listen to me? I said, I don't want, but I thought I knew. He said, you have circled three times. <laughs> You're probably my own my own and see that's exactly what it is walking in the life of sin and when you're lost is you just follow somebody else's tracks that are lost are my own in this case and he said follow me now he i don't know i don't know what he saw that i couldn't see but he led us right out of there when i followed him we made it That's a pretty good picture of what God's Word is all about. Follow the Word. Follow the Word. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2 because let's find out. I still haven't answered the question, how do we get there? How do we get grace? I want grace. Can I get it in a box? Does it come in the mail? Does a FedEx deliver it? Ephesians chapter 2. Dead and trespassed and sins, wherein in time past you walk, verse 2, according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, ooh, among whom also we all had our conversation or citizenship in times past, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the lusts of the desires of the flesh and of our mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. You get the picture of where we're at? We're in trouble. Verse 4, ah, I love this. But God... You know, something's up. He's going to change something. Who is rich in mercy. We talked a little bit about that. Mercy is not giving us what we deserve. Aren't you glad for that? Aren't you glad God is not only a God of grace, but a God of mercy? Because of grace, he can enact mercy because God is very just as well. See, all of us after just make God God. He's just. It's got to be perfectly this way. Now, I went to a, a physics class, and either our students in that class weren't very smart, because I think we all would have flunked, but our, our teacher gave us standardized tests, And he said, I'm going to mark it on the curve. High grade? As long as you're within range of that, you're in good shape. Right? That's not how God works. He does not mark on the curve because he can't. If he did, he would cease to be God. It must be perfection. It must be perfection. But God who is rich in mercy, how does he do that? Keep going. For with his great love wherewith he loved us. Then what? Even when we were dead in sins, he hath quickened or made us alive together with Christ. By grace you are saved. Yes, I know, Larry, I know grace, but how do I get it? Keep watching. He hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly place in Christ Jesus. Think of this. Did I just unfold the sin problem for you? It's massive. It's huge. You're, gone. you're, you're a goner. And all of a sudden through grace, ultimately you're sitting in heavenly places. I want that. How do I get it? Keep going. Verse 7. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness to usward, toward us through Christ Jesus. Yes, yes, bring it. Verse 8. For by grace are you saved. Yes, I know. Through faith. Through faith. Through faith. And you guys said you could do it right here. You know what? You're right. Tell me what faith is. 
What is faith? Trust? Knowing? Is anybody, has anybody got any faith here right now? Is anybody trusting something right now? You all are. Every one of you except for me right now is trusting something. The chair you're sitting in. You say, oh, that's not faith. Yes, it is. Think about it. If you didn't trust the chair you were sitting in, you wouldn't have sat down. How many of you drive, drive by, by car or truck? You all did, I think. If anybody rode a bicycle, kudos. <laughs> and if you did, you know what? You trusted that. When you got in that vehicle, you trusted that it would start. Trusted that it would get you here. See, and that's faith. Faith in God, in grace, is trusting what he said about it and believing what he said will, in fact, happen. It's pretty simple, isn't it? And yet it's really hard. How many people today can't trust Christ because they just can't bring themselves to fully engage in trusting him? Correct? It's really hard. And it's really simple. Did you notice that too? It's really simple. Let's keep going. Now, it even gets better. He makes sure that you understand. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. Even the faith is not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Unto, not because of, unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in him. Grace allows us no more to have to be judged by the law. You see, if you don't have Christ, the law will judge you. You get to heaven and you say, are you, are you, get, you, get, you stand before God. Let me say it that way. You stand before God. You better have it figured out. What did you trust? What did you trust? Well, I, I kind of looked around and there's a lot of people a lot worse than I am. So, I mean, that's not going to get her done. For all of sin, to fall short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin is death. Who are you trusting? Or what are you trusting? Ah, how do you trust? You believe what God said. That's grace. That's how you access grace. So it's apart from works. It's accepted by faith. In fact, let's go to Romans chapter 5, verse 2 on the way back. Romans chapter 5. How are we doing for time? We're going to have to hurry. Have you ever noticed that? I have to hurry once in a while. Romans chapter 5, verse 2. Some of you say it's impossible for you. That's right. Romans chapter 5, verse 2. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Grace is apart from works. It's accepted by grace. I'm sorry, accepted by faith. Let's go back to Romans chapter 3 one more time. And let's look at the third thing. Now, how many of you think you might have the wrong last name to get grace? That's another thing. I mean, really, now, let's think about it. Grace, is it really available to anybody? I mean, come on, that's pretty big. Well, we're all sinners, but is there... Is there a way that we could miss it? Maybe I got the wrong last name. I was in the wrong town. I grew up on the wrong side of the tracks. I made the wrong choices. Have you guys thought about there's two reasons that people reject or don't engage in grace? Have you thought about it? Keep thinking about it if you haven't, because we're going to talk about that. What do you know about God and grace? How available is it? What's God's purpose? Now, it said that Jesus Christ came to the world to... For, self, for the works of salvation. What else do we know about that? Is, what, what's God's purpose? Was there just some? Is, in other words, in this room, is there like 50% that are going get, 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 to have grace and 50% aren't? Is that how it works? Is there a, is there a quota? Have you ever been somewhere and you're going somewhere and you can't get in the building? <gasps> it's full. Well, got to go home. Is there only so much room in heaven? Sorry. Is there, any, is there only so much room in heaven? Is there only so many seats? 
What would you say, Alice? Yeah, that's right. Where do we find that? That's the right verse, by the way. Let's go to 2 Peter chapter 3. Let's go to 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. Let's see what God says about it. This is important, by the way. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. It says, Beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. To God, he made time. It's not, he doesn't, he's not bound by it. Verse 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise. As some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 2 on your way back. 1 Timothy chapter 2. Sorry, we're going through a lot of passage of Scripture today, but it needs to be backed up. Grace needs to be backed up by the Bible. 1 Corinthians, I'm sorry, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. Watch this. Again, message to Timothy from Paul. 1 Timothy 2, verse 4 says, Who, speaking of Jesus or God, who will have all men to be saved and come unto the knowledge of truth. That's God's, that's God's will. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father except by me. Isn't that good news? That's great news. I don't, you know, someone said, well, it's pretty exclusive. Sounds like that's pretty, you know, that's pretty narrow. That's pretty narrow. If you were in a burning house and there was one way to get out, wouldn't you want to know that way rather than try all the others? That's a really cool deal about this. One way. One way. All of, it's available to all. All who believe. Verse 24, back in Romans chapter 3, we've got three left. Four left, sorry. We'll go quickly, though. It'll just seem like nothing. Romans chapter 3, and let's look at verse 24. <clears throat> How is this grace obtained? How do we get it? How, what, what does it do? Verse 24, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. There's a whole lot of things going on there. Tell me about justification. If I threw that word up here, justification, what would you say that word means? Declared righteous and not guilty. How many of you like that on there? Uh, not guilty. You go to a court of law and you go through something, and, you're, and, and at the final, the final is not guilty. Woo! Good stuff. Ernie? Just as if you never had. That's another, just as if it, you'd never sinned. Justified. Just as if I'd never sinned. Let me think about a presidential pardon. Okay? Uh, Donald Trump or uh, President Trump or the one previous, uh, President Obama. If he would have made a pardon to someone, what does that do? Obviously, they're incarcerated, right? What would it do? Set them free. It would set them free, correct? But there's something that's not the same. That presidential pardon could not erase what they had gotten there for. They would be free, but that record, it would still be on their record. Justification is, it's gone, baby. You are declared righteous. Ah, somebody should say amen. I don't know if you're going to or not, but positionally, positionally, keep that in mind, positionally, it's a done deal. You have been justified. The really good thing is, which is an aside right now, it does not tell us in the scriptures where you're unjustified. In other words, you're justified. Everyone that's justified becomes glorified. Romans chapter 8, verse 29. It's awesome news. It's not even news anymore, but you don't get unjustified. It's a done deal. It's an act. doesn't make you perfect. 
But that's how it is. It's justification. And then, oh, didn't you like this? Well, yeah, I know this faith thing. I mean, I, I know, I'll, I'll believe, I'll believe, but how much is it really going to cost me? It's free. It's free, but it's going to cost you everything. It's free. There's no one in this room right here. There's not one person in this room that does not have enough money to get grace. And I don't know your finances. It's not like I looked at, Paul, I did not get into their finances. I did not look at what your, what your balance sheet is. I don't need to because it's free. Isn't that good news? That's awesome. Grace being free. All of that that Jesus Christ, now it's not, it wasn't free to him. It's free to us. Now, it's acquired by redemption. There's another big word, right? We're going to have two more big words. Redemption. Did you guys use that in your uh, travels this, this week in, in life? Well, yeah, I was talking about the redemption of... Uh, of, uh, of uh... No, you didn't probably, right? Redemption. What does redemption mean? You know the man that wrote Amazing Grace? What was his name? You know, I just lost it. You were saying Isaac Newton, and that messed me up bad, bad, bad. <laughs> oh, no, I forgot it. I'm terrible. Somebody tell me. John Newton, right? John Newton. There we go. John Newton. What was John Newton? What do you know about John? John was a great guy. He came from a Christian background. He went forward, and he was all about Jesus. He was going to be a missionary, in fact. He was just, his life was on fire for God. Oh, wrong John Newton, wasn't it? Actually, his mother did raise him on the Word of God, and when he was seven, she died. And his life was just a spiral out of it. He became a slave trader, actually was on a ship, was treated as badly as you could possibly imagine in some way, somehow, in the depths of those, as he declared, a wretch like me, Jesus Christ found him. He chose to be as bad as he could be. That's right. In fact, he said he, said he was never in a company of anyone more for more than 30 minutes than try to make them bad. Mm-hmm. That was a quote from him. Yeah. He, he wanted to make people worse than they were. Woo! That's the other thing. Remember those two things that keep people from grace? Keep it in mind. John Newton. He was one <laughs> wicked dude. And yet God's amazing. Now that's amazing grace, isn't it? He wrote that song, right? Amazing grace. It's literally become almost a theme song, almost in any case, in any, any place. It's amazing where it's went across the world. Talking about grace. Saved a wretch like me. Thinking of John Newton for a minute, slave trader. What do slave traders do? They traded slaves. <laughs> Ask a stupid question, get a stupid answer. Yeah, there we go. But he would, he would literally take people from, from Africa and he would bring them to some other shore and literally would be in a slave port. There's one in, in uh, Charleston, uh, South Carolina. There's still, the, and you stand there and that was a place that humans were bought and sold. And that's the word that I just used. That's the word for redemption. Let's say you were there and you needed a slave. You would redeem or purchase that slave. Those shackles that held them there, then they were freed from them that they were your slave. You could do with them as you wanted. They were your property now. 
What Christ did was he purchased us out of the slave market of sin and set us free because he paid for it. He purchased us. You see, grace is big, isn't it? It's huge. Just, just invigorate yourself with that for a moment. In justification, think of it this way. God is the judge. He's declared you guilty of sin. After declaring that, it would be just like him taking off his robes and say, you know what? I'm going to die for you. That's exactly what it was. Do you see how large grace is? It's monstrous. There's one more big word. It's a $10 word. We're declared righteous. We're declared not guilty, however you want to say it. We were purchased. We were purchased. And then the last word is a word. Can anybody say it? Propitiation. Now, that's a word I guarantee you didn't use this week. Propitiation. It's another word that talks about grace. You know why God can accept grace that was accomplished through Jesus Christ? Because, because of that word. That word means satisfied. I'm satisfied in what Jesus Christ did. Do you know why Jesus Christ rose from the dead after being in the tomb for three days? Is because God was satisfied with what had been accomplished. When Jesus Christ's last three words uttered on the cross, hanging there, writhing in pain, I can't even imagine what a crucifixion would be like. I cannot do it. I've read a lot about it, and it's unbearable pain. And for him, in those last hours in suffering, and from noon till 3 o'clock, the earth, I'm sorry, at least there in that Palestine, it was dark in the middle of the day. And at 3 o'clock, he said these three words, it is finished. Now, from his perspective, he said, I've paid for it. I've done God's will. It's a done deal. He's dead. He's buried for three days. And if God would not have been satisfied, guess where he'd be today? In the grave. Propitiation verifies the fact that he rose from the dead. That resurrection is monstrous. That's why I'm here today. That's why I'm, I'm willing to stand before you and to speak from God's word because it's true in the sense of his resurrection. If he had not resurrected, he could not have conquered sin. Grace would be not enough. It's not big enough. It would not matter because the penalty of sin would not have been conquered. The power of sin would not have been accomplished. The resurrection is huge to a Christian. It's number one most important thing. He said, well, how do we know what happened? The Bible declares, and he said, well, yeah, okay, that's, is that good enough? How about those 11 disciples? And I say 11 because the 12th one was two in, in rap, two in captured by money. He wanted too much money. He lost everything for what he, he Judas Iscariot. The other 11, you watch, watch their lives after the fact. These are fishermen. They could have went back to their work. In fact, they tried to. You know what? God said, no. Or Jesus said, you know what? I want you to do something. He appeared to them. He showed them in their new resurrection body what he wanted them to do, and they said, game on. In fact, every single one of them died for their faith. If you know something to be a lie, you will not die for that. You won't. If you know it's a lie. Now, if Jesus was a fraud, they would be the first to know it. If he was a lie, he, they would be the first to know it. If he hadn't risen from the dead, they would be the first to know it. 
And they said, no, I'm standing right here and doing what God wants me to do. The same thing that you can do today, knowing that you're standing in the grace of God, which is magnificent, powerful, and overwhelming in the sense of acquiring freedom from sin. Grace. Amazing grace. There's only two things that will keep you from grace. There's two things that will keep you from grace. Excuse me? Denying Christ. That's true. That's right. And how do we do that? We do it to two. Now, you, someone may disagree with me, but I'm going to put two things on the board. There are two things that I really believe keep anyone from Christ, from grace, if you will. Christ meaning the fulfillment of grace and truth, as the Bible declared. We looked at it. Pride is one. Pride says, I don't need grace. I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. I can do it. I can get there. I'm okay. And you all know people like that. Just can't quite come to the fact of confessing, I am a sinner. I'm lost. I can't solve the problem, but I'm going to try anyway. It'll be okay. Pride keeps a lot of people away from grace. A lot of people. But there's another one on the whole other side of that, and there is that person, quite honestly, said, Larry, I'm telling you what, I have sinned so much. I've done so many bad things. I'm, I, I, I can't, I just, and that's called shame. I'm not good enough to be saved. I'm not good enough to get God's grace. Shame. Is I that bad a writer? Yeah, I am. Let me try it again. Let me try it one more time. Shame. S-H-A-M-E. I'm so overcome and overpowered by shame and what has been in my background, I can't. I'm, I, need, I need to clean up my act before I... No, 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 no. What were, you, what were you going to come to the party of salvation with? Just sin. You just bring what you got, baby. You just bring it. He can deal with it. There's nothing that he can't handle. He paid, in fact, let's go to John again. Let's go back to John, and I'm going to hopefully find it. John chapter 1. I'm going to start there, but John the Baptist said something of Jesus Christ, and I will persevere until we find it. John chapter 1. Yeah, there it is. Verse 29. We'll start in... uh, yeah, these, that's okay. Verse 29, we'll start right there. John 1, 29, Jesus, he's probably about 30 years of age, and he shows up. Verse 29, the next day, John seeth Jesus coming unto him, and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the rich and famous. He taketh away the sin of some. He takes all. The sins of the whole world. There's not a sin that Jesus Christ did not die for. He can handle it. Just come to him. Just come to him. We're going to talk a lot more about grace in the weeks to come. We're going to talk about it in the sense of discipline. How can, in other words, we just don't bounce around. Grace actually keeps us in bounds. Any questions or comments? What about ignorance? Excuse me? What about ignorance? That's one that we could certainly put up there as well. Ignorance Ignorance is what uh, Jeff said. Why were just thinking about Taylor? Doesn't know. Doesn't know. Yep. One of the things that, that and I could, I could actually put that up there 
in the sense of it, not knowing. And, and we could just say, let's just say it that way, not taking anything, not knowing. And I think that's pretty valid, actually. It really is. Really is. You asked in fact, him about eight times to think about it. That's what, that's what you can, That's good. About eight times. So he was thinking about it, right? What about the passage that says their eyes have been blinded to the truth? Yeah. And, and in fact, now that's the other thing. Did you, do you know who's behind? Let, let's just, let's take actually all three of these. Satan. Who's behind those three? Satan, the enemy. He wants you to think you can do it by yourself. Or he's going to, you're such a loser. You are such a loser. You can't get there. You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're not the right name. You don't have, you're, you're a loser. Where does that come from? Didn't come from God. God's love is so overpowering, so overwhelming that he says, no, you just come as you are. I paid it. I paid it. Now, the ones that not knowing. Now, that's unfortunately where we're becoming how in our nation, aren't we? Every generation, we get a little further away from the Bible, from the truth. And again, the Bible looks at, looks at life through the lens that literally shows it just as it is. Reality is what it shows you as being. It makes perfect common sense. When you take the Bible and you unfold it and you unpack it, that's what it looks like. It says the wages of sin is death. We die, right? Not knowing. Now, there's a passage of Scripture that says, that literally everyone was without excuse. Now, again, I want to be careful to say we get to the level or the, the point of accountability. In other words, you know the difference between right and wrong. Like you have a two-year-old. They know a lot of stuff. And a lot of it's theirs. But they don't know the difference between right and wrong. And wherever that level is. Now, for me, I was probably about six and I was convicted of my sin. It was very, it was obvious. I couldn't, couldn't fix it. For me, it was there. For someone else, it may be later. For some, it may be earlier. But once you're at that level at age of accountability, and you don't know about Jesus, and you know what? That's becoming more and more rampant in a world in which you find ourselves living, isn't it? Let's go to Romans chapter 1 for a moment. There's a really cool thing about, about the Bible, or, uh, about God, is that the sense that God unfolds and gives us a picture of everything that's gone on. Mm-hmm. Romans chapter 1. And then we're going to stop. And you're saying, amen. There we go. <laughs> See what I'm talking about? Thank you, Tony. Romans chapter 1, we'll be here briefly. But this is a good point. Let's look at verse 20. Romans chapter 1, verse 20. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Now, again, I don't know how much they need to know, but have you ever just looked and let your eyes behold all of the creation of which we're in? We're encapsulating. It's magnificent, isn't it? You know, you start to look at the animals. You start to look at, at the skies. You look at the stars. You look at all of those things. And you say, there has to be a supreme God. There has to be. You start to study of how, God, how, we're, how we've been made. And again, you don't, you know, if you don't believe in a God, I'll tell you what, if you really study that, you have to come to the conclusion there is a designer There is a designer. And if there's a designer, 
There's someone we're accountable to. So even this one, even though we need to really get, get our game on, don't we? We need to get our game on. Because the more that they know, just like today. Now, this is probably a very, this is a, this is a, something that you probably all knew today, but grace is something we can't ever get enough of. It's so full. It's so freeing. It's so awesome. And the more we unfold it, the more we tell it, the better it is. Jeff, you were going to say something? No, I'm, I'm just thinking about the whole thing tied to this thing about ignorance. If I grew up being taught that all is the way, all is the way, all is responsible for all that we have, I think I could live in ignorance for a very long time. And I don't want to speak to the scripture in Romans 1 isn't right on the screws because I've read through there and as, as I look at a thing and, you know, we're as a nation in trouble. It's, it's, it's hard to re- read Romans 1 and not know that, and not think yep. that we're in trouble. But I keep thinking about this whole thing of ignorance and they're saying just the compassion that people have to sit next to somebody on a plane and talk to them about Jesus, that warms my heart. And I'm just that's thinking what about, it's about this whole thing and that's what we're, that's what we're talking about on all this stuff. Well, it's really exactly awesome to the whole thing, yeah. you know, because the whole thing that you kept talking about. There's two things. Two things are keeping us from grace. And I kept thinking about pride and ignorance. Pride and ignorance is kind of the whole thing. Those are the ditches that are out there. First of all, you know, and you rebuke it. You rebuke it. Right. The other side is like you don't know. You don't have a clue. You don't get it. You got words that are sort of like that sound right but aren't right. That's the other ditch. Yeah. The two guardrails. Yeah. Well, anyway, that's what I'm thinking about. Yeah, and, I'm, and by the way, these, unfortunately, are way more common than we'd want them to be, aren't they? Aren't they? And I'm here to say that Jesus Christ died for all. He died for all. His grace is free to anyone that's willing to believe it and take it by faith. Isn't that beautiful? That's beautiful. That warms our hearts because it's real. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the day. We thank you for your word. We thank you for grace. Help us to understand it even more than we've ever known it to be. It's freeing. It's liberating. It's beautiful. Father, it's the only answer. It is the only answer possible to save us from the penalty of the disease of sin. There's no other way. Jesus Christ was not kidding when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes on to the Father except through me. That is amazing grace. John Newton shouldn't have had a chance, shouldn't have had a reason in the world to trust you, and he did. And and your grace was sufficient for him. Just as your grace was sufficient for Paul, just as your grace is sufficient for everyone that calls upon your name. To that we say amen and hallelujah. A great God you are. Thank you for justifying us. Thank you for giving us propitiation, that satisfaction. Thank you for redeeming us, purchasing out of the slave market of sin. Father, especially we thank you for the full package of grace that allows us to see your love in its fullest and most extensive form. To these things we say, thank you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I'm going to show up your picture.